let's jump into uh, Acts chapter one. We're gonna be verse eight and a little bit of verse nine. So this is Jesus speaking and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, verse nine. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this was kind of the epic mic drop moment for Jesus before he went back to heaven. So Jesus has literally just lived on earth for 33 years, um, had this amazing ministry. He dies, comes back to life, spends about 40 days with his followers, and then says this, and then just floats into the clouds. And the disciples are like, huh. That's, that's like, I love the next verse. It's like, while they were still looking up into the sky, there, there had to be an angel come be like, okay, stop looking into the sky. You've got some work to do. Do you hear what Jesus just said? And so this is kind of the picture that, that we get of Jesus in this moment. And um, if we were to read throughout the rest of the book of Acts, I wish we could do kind of a sermon series on Acts. We might do that at some point. But uh, if you read throughout the rest of the book of Acts, you see this promise that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power and you'll be my witnesses. You see this working itself out throughout the rest of the book of Acts in lots of different ways. Uh, and I just wanna summarize it for you real quick. The two main ways that we see the Holy Spirit working itself out in power in the in disciples in the early church is through two ways. Uh, one is internal and one is external. Uh, so if you're taking notes, this is kind of the two big pictures of how the Holy Spirit is working itself out. Uh, the first is through internal transformation. So uh, in the disciples, you begin to see this replacing of desires, replacing of dreams, replacing of life trajectories with that of God's. And we see this in our life as well, right? So um, instead of only our desires, only our dreams, Instead of just trying to acquire wealth and power and kind of do everything about our life, our, our desires begin to be replaced by God's, right? Uh, if the Holy Spirit is working in you, you see this internal transformation begin to take place. Uh, we see this in uh, what the, the Bible is going to call the fruit of the Spirit. The, the fruit, um, uh, the, the result of, of having the Spirit in your life is uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which is things like love and joy and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These things that um, are evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. These are internal transfer, transformational works, right? But on the other side of it um, is this external transformation that takes place. We see this throughout the book of Acts where uh, people who were formerly just total cowards, the, the disciples, begin standing up and proclaiming uh, the message and the story of Jesus to thousands of people. We see this in the next chapter of Acts uh, on the day of Pentecost. Maybe you've read that story before where Peter gets up and just preaches this epic sermon and, and thousands of people come to Christ. Uh, we see this in big settings and in small settings where people just be on a commute to a different city and somebody shares the gospel with that person and they, they come to put faith in Jesus. We see this through uh, people being healed of physical and spiritual oppression, uh, people uh, leaving addiction, all these things work themselves out in Acts. And it's all the external transformation uh, of the work of the Holy Spirit. And the primary way that Jesus in Acts 1.8 says that this external transformation takes place is through being a witness. So if you notice what he says in verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So basically, Jesus is saying to these guys, okay, we've been together for a few years. I know you've been a little inconsistent. Like you think about what's just happened. They've just betrayed Jesus. They've all been cowards. They've all run when Jesus needed them. And Jesus says, I'm about to give you power because you're gonna need it. And you are about to be my witnesses in all the earth, basically. Uh, this is a huge moment. God, through Jesus, is entrusting the future of 
all the church and all of the gospel with these uh, disciples who are inexperienced and unprepared to do it. He says, you're going to need power and you're going to be my witnesses. And I love this because we see that uh, their internal transformation with the Holy Spirit leads to them bearing witness externally. So that's what kind of the, the, the back and forth that we're going to look at today, how the Holy Spirit works in us internally so that we can witness externally. That's kind of the flow that we see in Acts. So um, I began thinking this week, okay, so if, if that's the, the point, then, then what is a witness? What does it even mean to be a witness? So um, technically, if you've never thought about this before, technically to be a witness is to see something and then to talk about it. Like at the very base level, being a witness is seeing something, experiencing something, and then saying something about it to somebody. So um, uh, I think about one of my favorite experiences in life. I, I think I can't put anything above this. It's just my favorite moment, favorite thing I've ever seen or done. I was in Puerto Rico for uh, just a, a graduation trip with a few of my buddies. There was like round trip tickets for like 200 bucks. So we bought the tickets. And we went to Puerto Rico after we graduated. And um, Puerto Rico is just amazing. I mean, it's got a rainforest. It's got a mountain you can hike. It's got the Caribbean beaches. Um, it's got good food. It's got everything you want. And um, so... Uh, on, in Puerto Rico, there is one of five things called a bioluminescent bay. If you've never heard of this before, it's just this incredible phenomenon where um, there are microplankton in the water that absorb the sun, and then uh, when they're agitated, they glow, uh, kind of like lightning bugs, but in the water, okay? So basically what you do is you get in a kayak with a couple people, and you row like 30 minutes through this like canopied tree line, this small winding river, and you do this for like 30 minutes. You can't see anything. There's no light pollution, um, only the stars. And you get to this lagoon, and um, since it's so dark, the water looks black, basically. And you begin rowing in the water, and I can't describe it any other way than it looks like there's blue lightning in the water. It's like trying to describe how bananas taste. They only taste like bananas. There's nothing else you can compare it to. It's like, I can't give words other than lightning in the water. It's crazy. Every time your oar touches the water, these microplankton that you can't see begin to glow blue in the water. And it's just like mind blowing. We're just laughing hysterically because it, it's so unreal like anything else I've experienced. I was a witness to that. And, and I can be a witness by talking about it to you right now, right? Something I witnessed, something I experienced. Think about a witness in a courtroom. Um, if I'm a witness in a courtroom and I don't talk about what I saw, I am not a good witness, right? I am not a witness at all because inherent in being a witness is talking about it, right? Talking about that which you experienced. So think about these disciples who had just witnessed a lot of crazy, miraculous things over the past few years. Nothing like they had ever seen before. They've been walking with Jesus all throughout his ministry, seeing him do these amazing things in his life. They've seen him crucified, like brutally uh, killed in front of their eyes and then raised from the dead and like hang out with them for 40 days. Like that's what they have just witnessed. And God is saying, I'm gonna give you the power um, that is gonna transform your heart so much internally that you are going to be unbelievably unstoppable in being a witness to the entire world. That's what has just happened. And um, I love that, that they get to be witnesses like that. It's sometimes hard for us, right? Because it's like, okay, well, we haven't seen with our eyes those same things. It's a little different for us. We'll, we'll get to that um, at the end. But Jesus says, uh, you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna have my power and you're gonna be uh, witnesses in all these places. And he says, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Um, a lot of scholars think that these guys have never traveled uh, farther than 70 miles from their front door. 
This is like an hour and 15 minute drive, right? Um, so they don't have any concept for North America. That's just, un, that's not even their framework or Asia or maybe even the scope of Africa. Um, all they know is kind of this 70 mile radius of their house. And Jesus tells them, you're going to reach the ends of the earth. So they don't really understand that, but they do understand the other three places Jesus mentioned. There's Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So Jerusalem is the capital of the region called uh, Judea. And then the Northern region of that is uh, Samaria. So this would be like Jesus saying, you'll be my witnesses in Nashville, in Tennessee, and in Kentucky. That's kind of the, um, that's kind of the, the picture that Jesus paints. But it, it would be like if Kentucky, we had like thousands of years of really bad cultural um, uh, experiences with them. Uh, but that's kind, of the, that's kind of what Jesus paints for them. That you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And uh, it's interesting to me that none of the disciples had any problem being witnesses in Jerusalem, in their hometown, in Nashville, so to speak. They were totally cool with it. Um, all the time, they were talking about Jesus. They were going out into their cities and doing the work of Jesus and being witnesses. But um, it's really interesting to me that they wouldn't go out at first. Uh, God had to um, do some things to, to send them out. He had to ruffle, the fre- ruffle their feathers and send them out because they wouldn't move. They were too comfortable. And here's what struck me this week. Here's what my experience has been. In the first century for the disciples, for those men and women, uh, they were so all about Jerusalem, uh, but they didn't wanna go out. They didn't wanna go to other cultures, other um, ethnicities and talk to them at all. And it's interesting to me that I think we've done a flip-flop in, in our day for, for us today here. Here's what I mean by that. Um, if you put me on a plane uh, to Africa or India, uh, or maybe the same for you, we are so bold for Jesus there, Right? So, I mean, we are bold. It's like, let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. Uh, Let me explain to you all that he's changed in me. Can I explain this to you? Can I show you some things in the Bible? Uh, Let me explain this to you. Let let me give you a mosquito net. Can I bless you in some way? Like, we're just all about being witnesses to Jesus. But it's like, okay, do not make me go to my next door neighbor. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to be weird or goofy with the guy at work. It's like such an interesting flip-flop to me from the first century. And I we can agree, this is hard, right? Like, I don't wanna stand up here and be like, okay, uh, I don't wanna motivate you to the parking lot and be like, yeah, let's go be witnesses in Nashville. And it's like, okay, I don't really want to do that at all anymore. Like, this, is, this is tough stuff. We're, we're good with the internal work most of the time of the Holy Spirit. It's like, we're okay with God working in our hearts where it's all personal, where it just affects us and maybe our close community, but it's a lot harder to not keep that work internalized to allow this work to flow out of us, to have the external work of the Holy Spirit begin to play out in our lives. So I I wanna look at a few things that hinder us to being a witness for Christ in our our kind of spiritual hometown of Nashville. A few hindrances. So we're gonna look at four of them um, if you're taking notes. The first one, first hindrance is embarrassment or or shame. This might seem a little weird at first. Um, I I, I got this idea from a, a verse in Romans chapter one where Paul is writing, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Um, it is the power of God for salvation. That's what, that's what Paul says. And I, I bet if we went around the room, if you're a follower of Jesus, and we said, okay, are you ashamed of the gospel, of the message of Jesus? Almost all of us would say, okay, no, I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed by that. And uh, I think it's interesting that I've found that Paul says that, Uh, And it means usually something different when I say it. So when I say, I usually talk about a list of facts or a list of ideas. Okay, I'm not ashamed that Jesus died for me. 
I'm not ashamed that I was forgiven and that I need grace. I'm not ashamed of coming to church on Sundays. Those are the things that I am not ashamed of. But Paul says he's not ashamed of something a little different. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the what? The power of God. The power of God for salvation. So he's, he's saying, I am not ashamed of the internal work of God in my heart, so much so that, that I will tell others about it because it's, it's so powerful that it will save people. So he's not just referring to a list of facts, not just referring to a list of do's and don'ts or um, just some like facts about Jesus dying and raising from the Bible. Like that's not what he's talking about that he's not ashamed by. He's saying, I am not ashamed of the internal transformational life-changing work that God has done in my heart. That's what he's talking about. The power of God in my heart is what I'm not ashamed of. And it is so powerful that it has saved me. I'll be a witness to it in my culture. And, and that's gonna lead us to our second hindrance. The, the second one is our culture of, of tolerance. Our culture of, of tolerance. I think sometimes it feels like, I don't know if you ever feel this way, the single worst thing you can do in our culture is to, to look like you're intolerant. That you don't support fully uh, someone's choices to be or do what they wanna do or be. I think that's why so many people in our culture have qualms or issues with the church. They think the church represents on some level a disposition of disapproval about someone's life, that we disagree with their life and we disapprove of who they are. Now, I would argue that that has been caused by a group of Christians that thought the best way to bear witness to Christ was convincing people that they are wrong by any means necessary and showing them that we are right. And I, th I think that is wrong. I think that is not the way of Jesus, but I think that's what has happened. And regardless, we all live in this culture that's like, okay, you're not supposed to really share about your life to me. It's like, I am who I am. You get to be who you are. This often prevents us from ever being a witness about Jesus. I think that leads to the next one. The next hindrance is fear. We can be fearful of a lot of things. We can be scared of reje rejection. Uh, maybe it's not having all the answers. I think that fear in particular, not having all the answers, comes from my belief that it's all about information, that being a witness is about information, when being a witness is about experience, about seeing and experiencing something and witnessing to that experience. When it's about information, we can be scared because we don't have all the answers. When it's about experience, that fear should subside a little bit. Maybe it's just the fear of being awkward. This is one that God just really, really challenged me with this week. It's like one of my biggest fears is being awkward with someone. It's like, really? Like that's the thing that's preventing me from stepping out of my comfort zone to tell somebody about what Jesus has done in my life. Awkward. It's like, we gotta get past some of this stuff. Uh, apathy is the last one. Apathy is the last hindrance. So I think when we don't experience Christ deeply, it doesn't lead to us wanting to share anything or bear witness to. We just kind of become indifferent. There's nothing really that life-changing to talk about, so why would we? It's just kind of an apathetic mindset. And, and these things begin to work themselves out in our life as obstacles or hindrances to the external work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We see these four things, embarrassment, our culture of tolerance, fear, apathy, they begin to grip our heart in different ways. And if those are things that are hindering us, I wanna look at what our motivation should be. So what is our motivation for being a witness? We've talked about this already. Our, our motivation is the internal work of God, the internal work of the Holy Spirit. This is the motivation for the external work of the Holy Spirit. It's not guilt, 
It's not obligation. It's not, okay, I read this in the Bible and I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I've bumped into this person. I guess I should tell them about Jesus and check it off the list. Give them a few facts. Like that is not the motivation that Christ paints for us. He's saying the Holy Spirit is gonna come on you with power. And that power is gonna be so amazing to your heart that, that you're gonna wanna share it. It always begins internally. Think about this. It is not hard for us to talk about the things that we've experienced to be awesome, right? So if, um, if I go to a restaurant, my, if I go to my favorite steak restaurant this week, um, I will tell every single person how much I loved that meal, right? The, for the next few days after that, everyone at the office will see my leftovers and I will gloat about them and tell them how awesome those sides were at that steak restaurant. It's like, it's so easy for me to talk about something that I've experienced. But if I just read the menu online, how motivated am I gonna be to talk about that meal? That doesn't sustain me at all. If I were a waiter at that restaurant, and I'm, my job is to explain the meal to someone at my table, but I, I never eat the food. Like how, how um, able am I gonna be to actually talk about it in any sustaining, uh, motivating way? It's just gonna be obligation. I'm supposed to, let me tell you about this. Here's the sides, here's the special. <laughs> you've, you've all been there, Red Lobster, when it's like, okay, obviously you do not eat the food because you do not seem excited about it. Um, but it, if you experience it, the amazement of it, the, the wonder of that meal, then, then you're like, man, let me tell you about this meal. And, and you see that that person loves eating that thing, you, you buy into it. The motivation is from our experience, not from obligation. So what we need is for our hearts to be more captivated, more overwhelmed, more awakened by the grace of God, so much so that we embrace gladly the external work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is what we need to pursue Christ and knowing Christ relentlessly. This is the fuel that allows us to live into that external transformation of the Holy Spirit that Jesus wants for us that we saw in Acts. Um, I was talking to a guy who's interning at Ethos this week. His name's Michael Faria. Some of you guys know him, just amazing dude. He was with our family here at uh, Hillsborough Village for a while, but um, Michael did not grow up knowing God. Um, he lived in LA, just kind of in a family that did not operate in that way. Um, and a few years ago, uh, about four years ago, he moved to Nashville and got connected with Ethos and uh, gave his life to Christ a few years ago, uh, was baptized on a, on a baptism Sunday. And this dude is like one of the most on fire, dedicated, devoted people uh, to following Jesus that I've ever seen. Uh, just one of the, the best pictures of what it looks like to day-to-day -day follow Christ uh, in my life. And I was talking to him about some of this stuff this week. And he was talking to me about how uh, on a normal week, he, he has to get up in the morning and devote himself to God. Um, he, he has to ask God to empty himself of, of what he wants to do for his day and, and put himself before God, ask, him to give him, ask God to give him courage. Um, and that when he does that, when he's kind of going throughout his life, when he's at the grocery store and he's, he sees somebody and he feels the Holy Spirit kind of leading him to maybe strike up a conversation. Um, it, it's not like an obligated, okay, maybe I, I feel like I should, or it's like, man, I have experienced God today. Um, I am so free and it is so easy to bear witness to that experience because it's so fresh on my mind and it's easy. And it's so different than when he wakes up quick, snoozes like 18 times like I usually do and, and rushes out of bed, grabs breakfast on the go and, and runs through the grocery store. Um, in that situation, that guy's just kind of a, an obstacle. He's just like a, a random guy that he doesn't really pay attention to. But, but when he's devoted to Christ, when he experiences Christ, 
that internal work of the Holy Spirit, um, his eyes are totally changed for the day. He begins to be open about what God wants to do through him throughout the day, however he would want to be used. And he can strike up a conversation say, yeah, I moved from LA to, to Nashville a few years ago. Man, I put, I put my faith in Jesus. I know that sounds crazy. And, and it, it never sounds weird for him. I'm like, why does it sound weird when I do it? Most of the time it's because I haven't experienced the depth of Christ. I'm doing it out of obligation. I'm doing it because I feel like I should. That's the Christian thing to do. And if I don't, it's like, it's awkward. But it's like, man, when I've experienced the depth of Christ, it's so much different. My attitude is so much different. We see people with love instead of as like a project to, to like tell them about Jesus and check it off our box. We see them out of love as people who need and want to experience a God who provides abundant life. Man, if, if we don't love people, all we'll ever do is give them a list of facts about Jesus from an obligated and shallow heart. We have to love people. We have to want what's best for them in these situations. So this is how we bear witness. I love that picture that Michael gave me. This is how we bear witness. It starts with our experience of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It could be here on Sunday, uh, but, but it has to go beyond that. It has to go beyond this place on Sunday morning. Uh, otherwise, we're just gonna kind of feel obligated throughout the week to maybe talk about Jesus to someone. But um, whether that's through a time of prayer or meditation during your week or reading the Bible, encountering God in the scriptures, um, this is the fuel. These are the encounters with God, the internal work of the Holy Spirit that is the power of God that allows us to bear witness as we move throughout our days. So I wanna give you just a couple things as we close. Uh, uh, I wanna give you something for the week and then I wanna give you something for the tables here in just a second. So um, uh, the thing for the week, this is what I wanna just challenge us all to do. Um, experience God um, outside of this worship gathering and outside of maybe a house church or like a dedicated communal time. Like do something this week, go on a walk and have your only purpose be to just talk with God. Um, just go to Radnor and go like at 6 a.m. before it's 200 degrees. Like, do something and just say, okay, my aim for the next 15 minutes is to encounter God, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me internally. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, I wanna challenge all of us, myself included, and this is, this is so hard for me. Um, pray for the courage to share that experience with one person. Just one person. It can be somebody you know, it can be somebody you don't know. I wanna encourage all of us, let's start with encountering and experiencing God, and then let's pray for God to open our eyes and give us the courage to share that experience with someone um, and ask God to help us in those moments. That's, that's what I want us uh, just to try this week. It's like, what's the biggest, biggest thing that we can encounter? Awkwardness, like let, let's push through it. Like I wanna push through it this week. I wanna, I wanna be challenged to do this. Um, and, and here's just a couple questions for us to wrestle with at our tables um, as we close. I wanna invite the band to come on up. Um, as, we, um, as we close out. So here's two questions at your tables. Um, the first one, um, have you experienced the internal work of the Holy Spirit? First question, have you experienced the internal work of the Holy Spirit? And if so, um, share that with your table. So this is what this could look like. Um, man, I, um, I had a broken identity. I was uh, so tied to my performance and approval with others and God has totally released me through the, like the Holy Spirit has changed my heart. My identity is secure in Christ. I don't feel like um, my identity wanes and, and just goes on these huge roller coasters based on what people think of me. And God has done that work in my heart. Maybe for you, it's, I, I walked away from an addiction through the Holy Spirit. God in my community um, helped me walk away from that. Um, whatever it is, maybe God, man, God is just, I used to have an incredible anger problem 
And God just has delivered me from that and given me such patience. Uh, Have you experienced the internal work of the Holy Spirit? If so, share that with your table. Here's the second thing that uh, you're you're free to to talk about. Um, If you have experienced that, what are the things that hinder us from talking about that with other people, of bearing witness uh, to other people, about talking about that which we've experienced? What, what are the hindrances? We have the space to confess those things, to say, hey, man, this is, this is why it's hard for me. This is what I encounter um, when I'm with my coworkers, or with my roommates, or uh, with my family. Ask God to increase your love for others. Ask God to give you uh, courage you didn't even know you uh, could have to um, step out of our comfort zones, to be bold in our love for others as we uh, experience the work of the Holy Spirit and step into the work of the Holy Spirit in the world externally. Um, I'm gonna invite you to stand for just a moment. I'm gonna pray. Um, actually stay seated because we're just gonna stay at our tables. That was just out of habit. Um, just stay seated and I'm gonna pray for us and uh, then we'll uh, spend some time at communion. God, we, we love you so much and uh, we need your help to love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us love you. Um, we know there are so many men and women in our neighborhoods and in our city and in this world who right now just, they don't know anything of your goodness, they know nothing of your grace, nothing of the beauty of life that is found in you and in walking with you. And I just pray that you would create in us such a passion to speak about the grace that you have shown to us to speak about the mercy that you have shown to us and and the life that you have given us in Christ. God, thank you that you have come in Jesus, that we might have life and have life to the full. I pray that we would courageously, um, unrelentingly pursue that life in you. We ask this for your name, Jesus.